Hello, you're listening to the best bits of Breakfasters with Nat, Mon and Dylan filling in for Daniel this week. For this week, ending Friday the 3rd of November, we're on Triple R every weekday morning from 6 to 9am, broadcast live from Melbourne, Australia. Coming up on the podcast this week, you'll hear us talk about the rampant consumerism and disgusting holiday that is Halloween. We're also joined by Ewan Ritchie, Professor of Wildlife Ecology and Conservation at Deakin University, to talk about his essay on mammal extinction that was in the Best Australian Science Writing compilation. Spilling and breaking things is inevitable and never convenient, so we debate a public breakage versus a private clean-up. And for Friday Funny Bugger, Laura Dunneman rents a crowd for her son's first trick-or-treat experience. For Tech Talk, Dan Salmon gives us a lowdown on effective accelerationism, a tech bro manifesto. And comedian Damien Power talks about his new web series, Expanded Minds Only. Melbourne's own Triple R. Yesterday afternoon, I found myself riding uh, my bike around like neighbourhoods near where I lived, right when things were starting to pop off for trick-or-treaters. And it was really popping off. I couldn't believe it. It sounded like when I was back in my apartment, it sounded like a massive house party. Mm. And then it was quite alarming to like look out and just see all these pre-teens and parents, like all the noises <laughs> coming from them. But it was funny because I do get like of lack of a better word, like FOMO. Like I just love getting involved in things. And I'm like, there's no real entry point for me as a childless adult (laughs) 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 to get in. I was like, I actually like pulled up. Someone was decorating this house. It was quite impressive. They're set up in Collingwood. And I pulled up my bike. I was like, oh, hey, and started to chat. I was genuinely curious. Yeah, I was a bit like, I was like, oh, looking good. And then kind of link it. I was like, oh, do you do this every year? And she's like, yeah. Um, She grew up in the UK and... um, She's like, oh, it's not quite – I'm like, oh, you're noticing an increase. And anyway, it was like I was doing some like sad investigative journalism (laughs) slash searching for a friend. It was was weird. And I was like, all right, bye. And I was like, okay. Happy Halloween. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? Do you reckon part of this is the fact we didn't really get it as kids? Like it was pretty limited when I grew up. Yeah, because we were talking about this a little bit off air of like some of – I remember maybe the first time knocking on someone's door and being told off for it. Mm. That was just the experience of being a kid in the 90s. They're like, why are you doing this? Like, I, yeah. yeah, this is American. Yeah. Get out. It was it was, it was, it was six-year-old me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I remember going trick-or-treating a few times as a little kid. Yeah. And the and we actually – a woman didn't even open the door – she had one of those security doors, so you can't. She could see us, and we couldn't see her, like a fly screen kind of thing. Yeah, and we're like trick or treat. My siblings and I trick or treat, and then um, she's like, "What?" <laughs> and she just yelled, "Go away! I'm a sick woman!" Oh, and then we're just like, "Wow, wow!" Never walk. And she lived like I never saw her. Some, you know, but was terrified of her. Oh uh, yeah, well, that's quite an authentic, like spooky experience for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, you're sick because you're hoarding all those bloody lollies Hostility. in there, aren't you? Hostility. Yeah. Um, and then we got, one time we got given an orange and half a pack of butter menthol. <laughs> That's so From good. the same guy. He was, And he, I remember him being really nice. He was like, look at you, kids, all dressed up. That's nice. I'll get you something special. Half a pack of butter menthol. I think he just pulled it out of his pocket. Were they old, like, <laughs> tissues attached to the butter menthol? Like, yeah. One step away. All sticky. Yeah, that would have to be. I think I got it, like, 
apples and stuff back in the day. But yeah. that's a that's a no no, isn't it? Because you know people can put I mean, stuff in them. And... Kids would throw it back at you yeah. these days. Wow. And oh, look, I'm sure they're not that badly behaved. But it seems like times have changed. Yeah, it was. I remember getting like muesli bars. Some sultanas. I, I don't know. Someone posted on social media, but they were given a bowl of cocoa pops oh. to eat, but they like <laughs> had to finish the bowl <laughs> while at the property. Give the bowl back. I, I yeah, mean, like Santa or something. Uh, I mean, I'm like that just made me laugh so much. I feel like that's like the epitomizers, like trying to trickle treat in the nineties. Yeah, uh, it was so good. Um, but I did go home. And I was like, oh, because I felt like I just had like a Halloween itch to scratch. So I was like, I know what I'm going to do if I can't go out trick-or-treating. I did contemplate going how funny it would be, but I think maybe it would tip over to creepy. But just as a lone adult fully dressing up as a witch and going (laughs) trick-or-treating on my own (laughs) just to to like gauge the response. (laughs) Getting a knock on the door. It's just moon thirty. Yeah, I'm like that would be funny, but I'm new to the the neighbourhood, so I didn't want to like. You always talk about wanting to meet your neighbours. This is so true. I missed such an opportunity. I was walking the streets and complimenting people on their decorations. I was trying, but I feel like it would have been going maybe not too far. It would maybe actually. Would you you try and make your costumes so good they couldn't tell that you were a fully grown adult? Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. But there'd be a part of me that would want them to know. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, just to confuse them. Yeah, over to you. What a a gift. Like, what a story, though. We're talking about that for like at least two weeks. Yeah, Mm. they'll be like, this girl came on her own, (laughs) dressed as a witch. And she, yeah, she took some lollies. She was pretty polite about it. She let the kids go first. (laughs) She was patient, but. She's like, no, no, I'll wait. No, no, I'll wait. No, no, God, I'm aware, you know. How were the costumes out on the the streets? They were, it was just spooky across Mm. the board. There was no real celebrity or like superhero characters that I noticed. Yeah. It was just all about being like a ghost or a vampire and Yeah, lots of witches and that sort of thing. Yeah, some cat ears. That's what my my niece has gone as a witch for eight years running, I think. Oh, okay. Classic. Can't beat it. <laughs> I, I got a photo from a friend out in the streets of a kid dressed as a tank. <laughs> what? It's, like it's, it's a bit edgy, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, yeah. read the room. I know. Wow. Yeah. What if the parents tried to talk them out of that one? I wonder. And I, by the look of it, it was a pretty elaborate tank. So I think the parents had a bit of input into it. Been making it for yeah. more than I think four so. weeks. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Paper macheing it every afternoon <laughs> in the lead up. Um, yeah, wow. Well, no kids came to our door, but we also didn't. You know, I think you have to put out. Like a decoration. Yeah, it's like an invitation, right? Yeah. Like going to have a pumpkin perched on your veranda yeah, or something. Yeah, and I, of course, didn't do that. No. Mm. And Will took our son out Cute. in the pram with our neighbour across the road. And he's like, do you want to come? And I, I couldn't. But I was like, no, no. But he's like, well, you stay here. And he's like, and open the door. Because I bought some killer pythons. Oh. And so if oh. kids come, I want you. And I was like, and I was like I'll open the I'm not going to not <laughs> open the door. Promise. <gasps> I love <A> it. <laughs> um, and then no one came and then the, uh, there's a knock on the door and it was 
it was it was Will. Ah, <laughs> go away, that. I'm a sick woman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's it. But it's like Will is like essentially. It's like I just need to borrow a kid in a pram. He's essentially um, trick or treating with <laughs> with his friend with kids who cannot so eat. <laughs> I know, it's or like chew a these lollies. Baby. Yeah, who cannot uh, talk. He, yeah. So then, and then like my neighbor's two year old um, was dressed as Spider Man and was too cute. Ah, that mm. I was like. Take all, take them, take yeah, them all, yeah. take everything. Yeah, I'd melt pretty quickly. I yeah, think. yeah. And we came back from his adventure, and he said, "Oh, um, yeah, some guy was really rude, so I just took a whole handful." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. So just borrow a baby. Yeah, yeah I know. I just get it. yeah a doll. That's even creepier than just going on my own. Though. If I was, there's got to be, be some parents out there who can't be bothered getting dressed up, and maybe it's a bit of a chore for them. Oh. So I reckon that's a little side hustle. Yeah. I actually, I just want to test the waters. Maybe I won't go on my own, but I want to go trick-or-treating as an adult with maybe another adult. Oh, okay. <laughs> just to suss it out. I just think it'll be funny. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. See you're like, yeah. React. No. <laughs> it is odd. But anyway, instead I went home because I did think about buying some lollies or putting them out, but our apartment building just it wasn't inviting and it just wasn't going to work. And so I watched something spooky instead. What did you watch? I watched, I just watched an episode of um, Atlanta. It's the, I know it doesn't sound spooky, but it's a bottle episode, the Teddy Perkins episode. Have either of you ever watched Atlanta? No. no. Anyway, it's an excellent show, but like a bottle episode is where it's just like stands alone from the rest of the series and it's usually just in one location. Mm. And essentially it's this kind of uh, one of the main characters, Darius, goes to pick up a piano from like an online message board for free from this like reclusive guy. And that the episode's based on The Shining and it's kind of like he's really – scary guy mm. doesn't really know what's happening there's kind of nods to maybe michael jackson as well there's like the main uh teddy you should google it if you haven't ever watched the episode um is played by um donald glover all in lots of white makeup oh. and it, it's it's terrifying creepy excellent <gasps> episode anyway so that's how i got my fix oh. yeah and then when the kids did eventually knock i was like Leave! I'm an old lady! Get out of here! <laughs> Woo! Ah, that's right. Triple R. Gut-wrenching and infuriating are the words used to, to, by mammologist Ewan Ritchie to describe the decline of Australian species. Australia leads the world in mammal extinctions and without drastic intervention, that trend looks set to continue. This parlous state of affairs and what could be done about it is explored in an article Ewan published around this time last year, which has now been included in the best Australian science writing 2023, published by UNSW Press. To tell us more, the Professor of Wildlife Ecology and Conservation at Deakin University and regular voice on Einstein and Gogo joins us now in studio. Hello, Ewan. Good morning. Morning. And I guess it's an honour to be included in this collection, but also kind of depressing that there's a need for us to be reminded of this. Yeah, look, it is a great privilege and honour to be in, in that volume with such amazing writers, so I'm absolutely stoked about that. I'm far less stoked about what's happening to Australia's mammals, unfortunately. So I've been working on mammals for... Well, well over two decades now, um, and I guess I've watched, unfortunately, the continuation, really, uh, of the mammal decline. So I think, you know, we've, we've seen 40 extinctions uh, of species plus uh, potentially six subspecies, although that has been added to this week. So four uh, species of Mulgara, 
which is a small carnivorous marsupial, are now thought to be extinct. So that number is increasing. And back in 2009, we had the Bramble K melamus, which is a type of native rodent, and the Christmas Island pipistrelle. So we're talking about recent extinctions. So they're still happening, both um, declared extinct as well. So this is not just a, a historical tragedy. This is still happening. Yeah, and at the start of your article, you kind of map out how this has happened. Give us a bit of an insight into what has caused this decline in, in mammals in particular. There's, there's a whole range of threats that Australian mammals have faced since European colonisation. Uh, there's been dramatic habitat destruction and modification, particularly extensive land clearing. So that, of course, removes the homes of many of these mammals. It also exposes them in many cases to invasive predators that have also been introduced around the same time, so the feral cat and the red fox. Competition with the European rabbit, which actually drives up cat and fox numbers. So it's almost a double whammy if you're a native mammal. You're competing with these animals for food and for space, and they're also making your enemy, if you like, higher in number as well. So more than half of Australia's mammal extinctions, feral cats and foxes are implicated in those extinctions. And we often refer to native mammals being what's called the critical weight range. So these are mammals that are roughly 35 grams to about five and a half kilos, otherwise known as the cat and fox snack range. (laughs) So these are animals that are typically found on the ground and cats and foxes hunt them extensively. And that's been the cause for many species extinctions, but also even for species that are currently still surviving, but in low numbers, why their numbers are really, really, you know, have been driven down a lot. What about when you say that culling, have have governments tried many culling options to get rid of feral cats and foxes? There has been some really successful um, sanctuaries set up in many parts of Australia that are predator-free, both cats and foxes. And where we see that, we see uh, booming numbers of native mammals. So whether it's bilbies, bridal nail-tail wallabies, numbats and so forth, their numbers will absolutely explode um, in the absence of predators. In some cases, they almost become too many, in some cases causing other problems, but it's a nice (laughs) problem to have in a sense. So that, that really is strong evidence that these invasive predators are having a devastating impact. So, yeah, where we have been able to suppress them, then we've seen great outcomes of native wildlife. Feral cats in particular are much harder to control than the red fox, um, and so it, it is much more difficult to, to reduce their numbers outside of these sanctuaries. So there's a lot of um, research looking at ways of trying to control these invasive predators outside of sanctuaries and also, of course, islands where um, for foxes or cats don't occur, where native mammals are still persisting Phillip Island, to. I understand. Phillip not, Island, yeah. Phillip Island has now got no foxes. Uh, there's mm. still cats there. Um, so that's a successful um, removal of uh, foxes. Uh, and there are other examples where predators have either never occurred or you might only have one of the predators. As an example, French Island has no foxes, but it has cats. So the long-nosed potteroo is doing really well on French Island, uh, not so well elsewhere where there are foxes on the mainland. Uh, and Eastern Eastern Bar Bandicoots were actually introduced to French Island and they're doing really well too. And there's also an ongoing cat control program there too. So yeah, where we do actually invest in controlling these invasive predators, native Australian mammals can do really well. In the piece, you also talk about the government's threatened species action plan as being unlikely to succeed, essentially highlighting that its ambitions are not matched by commitments and, crucially, dollars. We're also, you know, speaking in the context of the review into the Environment Protection and Biodiversity Conservation Act. So can you just kind of set the scene for us about what's being done and what else needs to be done to take this more seriously? Look, there's a whole range of things that need to change, of course. Um, we need far greater investment. That's a simple fact. So without money um, to, to undertake these actions like feral um, animal as well as invasive species control, you know, we're going to see impacts 
occurring uh, for our native wildlife. We also just need to protect their habitat. So Australia is one of the world leaders in land clearing. We've seen huge devastation of many of our forests, including um, areas where critically endangered species like the lead-beached possum occur, um, uh, endangered species like uh, greater glider species are still having their habitat destroyed. So we need environmental laws that recognise the value of habitats for species, protect those habitats and enforce that. So, of course, you've got to have laws, but you've also got to enforce them. Um, so there's a whole range of things that need to change. And um, as, as is happening right now, the new Environment Protection Biodiversity Conservation Act is being reviewed. Environmental laws are being reviewed. So we look um, and hopefully sort of eagerly see that those laws will be strengthened uh, and see those changes that we need to occur. But the, the, the main thing is we need much greater investment in the environment. And that should be seen as a positive because there's a whole range of benefits that come from conserving wildlife and ecosystems. They're cultural. So there's a lot of cultural value associated with wildlife, particularly for First Nations peoples, of course. There's economic benefits that come through tourism. We all know that many people travel from across the world to see our amazing wildlife that you can see nowhere else in the world. And there's all the environmental benefits. As an example, many of the digging mammals, some of which have gone extinct, we know that they're really important for soil health. So they spend all this time digging, looking for food. That helps uh, water infiltration, seed germination, trapping of nutrients in the soil, making those soils more rich, more fertile, and the vegetation communities healthier. So these animals perform these really important environmental benefits too. So what you must you must tear your hair out as an expert in this field. Like, why don't why don't governments or whoever is at the top not letting this happen? Why can't they see those benefits? It, it's a great question, and you know, Australia is one of the richest countries on earth per capita. We have plenty of money. We have three hundred sixty eight billion dollars, apparently minimum, to spend on submarines for defence. Uh, we have estimated, scientists have estimated that for around two billion dollars per annum that could go a long way to helping to recover a large number of Australia's threatened species. So you're talking about a tiny amount of money compared to what we invest, as an example, in defence spending. So I think it's a question of priorities and values. You know, we just don't simply place enough value on on this extraordinary wildlife um, and all these incredible ecosystems that Australia has, which is, is quite shameful, quite frankly, when you think about how lucky we are. So most species in Australia are found nowhere else on Earth. And as I said before, many people travel around from across the world to see them. So we really need to see a change of priorities um, and valuing these incredible animals. We've talked about some compounding pressures such as land clearing and invasive species and the like. Another is climate change, of course, and we're heading into an El Nino cycle. There's parts of, um, of Queensland that are on fire at the moment. Is there anything in particular we should be really thinking about in the knowledge that we're likely to be facing a pretty difficult fire season? Yeah, so one of the things that we're finding out, I guess, from the devastation of the 2019-20 fires is where species have survived and, and of course, for the reasons you know that, that they've managed to persist. We know that where areas are more severely burnt, that wildlife doesn't fare as well. Um, but we also know in the landscape there might be particular refuges that the animals are living in. So there might be a wetter part of the landscape. It might be more topographically, so as sort of a mountainside or so forth. If we can identify those critical populations for wildlife, then we can protect them. And that might include, again, invasive predator management. So if you know that an area is really important for the persistence, let's say, of a bandicoot species, but you've also got problems with feral deer or foxes or cats in the same area, if you can manage those populations, that might actually help that existing native wildlife to persist and also repopulate areas that are burnt after fire. So we need to address climate change. That's a fact. If we don't address climate change like the Great Barrier Reef, the Great Barrier Reef will keep continuing to decline and eventually be, be gone. But we can actually do things in the meantime to help those animals and those ecosystems push through even in the face of these extreme events. 
And what are some success stories we can really latch on to where species have been brought back from the brink? Yeah, look, I'm old enough to remember, and I think it was the early 90s, where the northern um, hairy-nosed wombat got down to fewer than 50 individuals total in the wild, which is an extraordinarily low number of animals. Um, it is now over 300, uh, and there's now multiple populations that have been set up. So if you have a single population, of course, a species is really vulnerable to extinction because one chance horrific event, like a, a severe fire or a disease, can wipe out the whole population in one hit. So you know, having that insurance of having multiple populations is great. Um, numbats are increasing in number in Western Australia, in, in large part due to extensive uh, fox and cat control. So again, it really just shows... When we invest resources, we, we can have conservation wins. And then those wins are really important, of course, because we hear a lot of doom and gloom about the environment, about Australia's wildlife. And the worst thing that could happen, of course, is we become apathetic and we give up. You know, we absolutely can turn this around, but we need that investment. Absolutely. And all the more reason to dip into to Ewan's essay and a bunch of other essays as well included as part of the Best Australian Science Writing 2023. We have been speaking with Ewan Ritchie, uh, Professor of Wildlife Ecology and Conservation at Deakin University, also regular voice on Einstein Agogo. Thanks so much. Thank you. Triple R. Spilling and breaking things is inevitable, isn't it? In life. <laughs> oh, it, it is, yeah, in life. And it's never convenient. Some of us do it more frequently than others. Discuss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this the year 12 English exam? Yes, it What's is. What's the deal with spilling and breaking things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on, it happens. Yesterday I broke... Spilt and broke something. Oh, no, the double. The double whammy. I was heading out and I was maybe running a little bit behind schedule. Always the catalyst for breaking things. Isn't it? Slow down, everyone. And I thought, oh, well, I'm out. I'll grab, like, just open the fridge quickly to see what I needed um, to do a bit of a shop. And as I kind of whipped open the fridge in my flurry, a precariously placed jar on a shelf swung out smashed everywhere all over the ground and what it was what I smashed was a jar of goat's cheese in herb and oil no yes thank you that's one of the worst yes exactly (laughs) because you can't like it's ruined right you can't sort of salvage if it was something hard like a like rice or whatever yeah Precisely. I'm so glad you're like a pesto, it kind of just sits there. Yeah, no, this is everywhere. So, one, it's disappointing because that's maybe like one of the bougiest items Mm. I buy consistently Mm. is the goat's cheese. It's my treat. It's what Mm. I put on my dry crackers to moisten (laughs) them up. (laughs) Just tomato and a bit of goat's cheese. And then, where do you even begin with like the, the cleanup? It's tricky. You're dealing with the glass, the oil. you're dealing with the goat's cheese. Because do you go for the bin or and do the you oil. take the glass? Like do you separate them? There's so many different steps involved. <laughs> like I was up all night. Like I've nearly <laughs> tripped and put my back out so many times. My kitchen is like, and when I say kitchen, I mean kitchenette, <laughs> um, is like an ice skating rink. I'm like, whoa. Because like, you can't get oil off. Was it tiles? Or, yeah, tiles. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't come off easily, does it? Yeah, no, not at all. So it, it's been like there's multiple stages to the cleanup. Mm. Yeah, so it's a big smash. And, um, and also as well the factor of 
heading out the door, you're like, well, you can't leave cheese on the ground. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There was a part of me that was like, I'll deal with it later. But I'm like, no, I can't leave a pile was this of before? glass. I've got to ask, yeah. I mean, we had a, a Radiothon party last night. Was it before or after the Radiothon yeah. party? It was before. It was before. Yeah, yeah. so I was heading out um, to do a few things and then head to that anyway. So, wow. And Wait, you kind of all dressed and... You didn't leave it on the floor. No, oh, I didn't. Yeah. I know. I can be like slapped. Dash, but I'm not. The I'm mice not will bad. take care of it. I'll yeah, it don't worry. Oh God, that's foul. Um, <laughs> they love cheese. Yeah, no, that you're right. They do enjoy it. Someone should, because I can't. That glass will get you. The I once, little mice. Be careful. Trigger the memory. I once met someone at Meredith Music Festival many years ago who worked at the Meredith Goats Cheese wow. Factory <gasps> and gave me <gasps> no. a jar without a label, like straight from the source. <gasps> yeah. And I had the most delicious breakfast the next day. Oh, of course you did. Yeah. It was inc- it seems like it didn't happen. Yeah. But it did. And I would believe that also maybe it didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it was up a tree yeah. and <laughs> And then, then I was yeah, there. Yeah, angel was, arrived. Yeah. And, <laughs> and there was this white light and <laughs> no, we they all said shared you're it around a golden the campsite. God dealing were, you, were you tempted to stockpile it and think I'll take this home? Because um, did you have to did you have to then like I don't know if you're camping with a big group? Well, I no, I no. We just had it the next day, next morning. Nice. But I actually though, there's no glass there, but it was a glass jar. So yeah. somehow, maybe uh, if you from the local, you just kind of get waved through. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna. I, I did notice that. I was like, okay, I won't flag that. But <laughs> you're banned. <No. laughs> but I was thinking that of like what are, and then I was just thinking, okay, that was the worst thing in my fridge to break. And then I've just kind of been trying to like rank breakages, mm. like food ah. and beverage breakages in my mind and being like, what would I have preferred to break? Or maybe what's the worst other kind of items the worst to break? I don't know. I guess there's so many different factors uh, or scenarios. Like either food, what yes. are the kind of – I think I reckon – What do you think's the worst? I was thinking what could be worse than that? Honey. Yes. Yeah. How did I not think of honey? Because I nearly I, – I was putting honey in my tea the other day. And you and, broke it. And I I just smashed it out of rage. No, no, I was thinking like <laughs> – I think I – Yes, let's talk about Fumbled with the jar and I was like, oh. Imagine if I that could have been that. a disaster. <laughs> that would be really bad. And also just like having a baby and a dog <laughs> both on the floor. <gasps> I had a moment once where I dropped a – I don't think it broke, but I dropped and um, like a jar, maybe it was a plastic jar of chilli flakes. <gasps> Mm. And that, yes. and they were just went. This is before I had a baby, and they went all over the floor. Oh. And there was just this standoff where I, they all went, they scattered. <laughs> and then I looked ahead, and then the, and then my dog was at the other side of the room, oh, looking no. at them. And we both just stared at each other. And I was like, "Get out!" <laughs> Scram! And I like, see what you're thinking. Yeah, and I was like, "It's for your own good." Yeah. <laughs> so quickly, like, locked her outside and cleaned them all up. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> that poor little thing. Oh, oh, yes, of course. And chili. And I don't know, is chili flakes the same as like fresh chili? Like if you get that all over your hands. Oh, you the, dried, your the, the dried one? Oh, it's been pretty bad, I reckon. Mm, yeah. Wouldn't be comfortable, especially yeah. just eating it all. Oh, Look at your through, tongue. If you're you know. a chihuahua, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's got to be, yes. Honey, 
chili and the other one I thought could be terrible is anything um, with a strong stench, like a yeah. fish sauce. Yeah, well, my sister oh. had a jar of preserved lemons totally upending her handbag oh. years ago. And, uh, like, that stumps for the bag, I think. Yeah. Like, it's just that no. smell, delicious, preserved lemons, but I don't think you get that out of material. Out of, the, out of a bag, no. And, well, then that's the other thing as well. Like, you take it out of the kitchen and you're out in the world. Yeah. It's a risk. It, it is. It happens. People break things. Like, I, I remember I did a trial at a cafe when I was would have been, like, one of my first jobs and on the – it was like a really warm summer day, so everyone was ordering like blended drinks. And still to this day, I don't think it was my fault, but essentially I smashed the blender. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how it happened. It just knocked, got knocked off the bench and people were just ordering juices and drinks. Like it was just nonstop and I was just blending, blending, blending. And then it was like I smashed it. Like it was glass? Yeah, or I, I guess. It just yeah. stopped working. No, it, it smashed on the ground. So, oh, yes, it would have been glass. Mm. I know. And I really still to this day I don't think it was my fault. But I, This is the thing. Like I um, Recently I was running late for work and I think when you're in a rush and you're kind of flustered, you have a tendency to blame other people yeah. for things that really are your own fault. And I was, I was running late, really you're needed petrol. you at me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, someone had parked between the two petrol bowsers. Yes. And I've got quite a long car, like a station wagon. So I pulled up and I couldn't quite reach the hose. I'm like, I'm running late for work. This is really annoying. Yeah. So I kind of stretched it. And as I did oh. to put it in, like put fuel in my car, I broke the flap oh, thing. No. It just snapped oh. off. And I'm like, what What are these things made out of? Plastic? Yeah. <laughs> Plastic. <laughs> Plastic. And so it was like, that's annoying. I bet they're really like expensive, 100 bucks or so for a new one. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to go like Mr. DIY and yeah. buy a refurbished one and like, you know, maybe paint and stuff. So tracked one down, bought it from Ararat, 20 bucks, 10 bucks postage. I'm like, how hard's going to be to like spray it with a coat of paint? <laughs> Turns out for cars, you need like car primer, paint. car paint, yeah. clear coat. Ended up spending about 120 bucks. <laughs> Didn't do a particularly good job. <laughs> and still, I blame the person who was parked between the petrol bowsers. Absolutely. Of course. It's all them. And you should send them an invoice. I should. I know. <laughs> Chase them down. Get their, um, get their number plate. Someone on the text line uh, dropped a jar of coconut oil. Oh, but yeah. But because... In the cold weather we get here, so uh, it was partly solidified, so they could still salvage some. Mm. That's nice, and at least like coconut oil has got a, a lovely scent to it mm. as yeah. well. You could pass it off as a yeah, like a scented candle or something, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, good. Like, oh, what on spilled on the floor? That's my scented candle. Yeah, <laughs> I like to keep it on the floor in a puddle. <laughs> uh, hey, oh, well, I was I, I was thinking here. I want to give you some. Um, would you rather smash scenarios? <gasps> okay. So uh, you've got yeah. one each as well. Um, <laughs> so I was just trying to think as well, like kind of public versus cleaning up. Oh, okay. Okay, so Mon, you can have the first one. Um, so would you rather a cup of freshly made coffee at home that you really want? Would you rather spilling that um, on the couch and, okay, there's a small stain. Like you spill it, you don't get the coffee, you have to wash the covers, but no one's burnt. Mm. Or a bottle of red wine in a shop, at a bottle shop. No, um, there is like a line behind you, but you don't have to pay for the wine. 
Is this, is this, this is Gucci rather? 100%. The red wine is so much worse, don't you think? No, it's oh, better. Oh, see, there you oh. go. <laughs> you're, you're out of there. It's embarrassing, but <laughs> you're just like. So you'd rather the shame and the embarrassment. Absolutely. Briefly. Than my pristine couch and my cup of coffee. Okay. But and you make said, another one. I'm at home. But you, you say definitely the coffee that you'd rather. I think it's the public. Yeah. And guilt. And if I was with Will and he saw that, he would absolutely offer to buy it and then, like, the rest of the store in apology. <laughs> yeah. And, and the rest of the store and you'd be paying off and going to that bottle shop for the next decade. Be going into debt. Buying a fly <laughs> Yeah. Just overcompensating. Who else wants wine? Yeah. I sorry. Um, I, oh, no, I think, I think spilling coffee at home, I could handle that. Okay. On the couch? I mean, it's not like the couch isn't ruined, but in my mind, you've got like a light coloured kind of linen-y couch. Mm. It's nice. got covers on it. I've got kind yeah, of an aquarish coloured couch, like uh, a light bluey one, so I could, you could really, really yeah. see it, I think. So it's like, yeah, it's a light colour, but there's covers that you can take off and wash. Okay, so it's divided. I've got one more yeah. scenario for you both. So um, you could either smash and break a bottle of Worcestershire sauce, um, and you, but you're about to head out. Mm. the door or you could knock um, a pot of tea off the table with your backpack while you're at a cafe (gasps) and you know there's an acquaintance in the cafe (laughs) that sees you from a distance. That's harder. Worcester sauce. Yeah. So definitely take the There's no collateral damage and, yeah, the embarrassment of someone else I know being there and knocking it off with my backpack, that's a bit more theatrical. So you find to smash up a storm in the bottle shop. <laughs> as long as I don't know anyone. But as long as no one you know sees. <laughs> Didn't okay, happen. Okay, well, Didn't you've happen. already admitted to smashing a hypothetical bottle of wine, a fictional bottle of wine. Okay, so you're taking Worcestershire sauce. What about you? Well, I yeah, I think I'm doing that as well because when you smash a bottle of wine in a bottle shop, yeah. Um, the only person who loses is like the manufacturer or whatever. But if someone's ordered a pot, pot of tea, they're sitting down enjoying it. They're just a customer. Mm. Mm. It's not their fault. <laughs> and no. then you go and ruin their day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not. A, yeah. So I think um, I'm I'm with Dill. I would say. Okay. No. What's the she? What if I told you that when you're <laughs> heading out the door, you have to leave. Straight away because you're running late for a flight and you won't be back for two weeks. <laughs> you're still choosing the Worcestershire. Mm. I'd find a way. I'd find okay. a way to clean it. Yeah, keep my cat sort of, yeah. All right. Company. Well. He could get into it and oh, enjoy love himself. That. There you go. Anchovies, right? Yeah, You'd yeah, love it. Great. You've got a Claudius treat. You yeah. two are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been smashing things. <laughs> Triple R. That time of the week, very happy to be joined by today's Friday funny bugger, Laura Dunneman. Hello, Hello. guys. I'm so happy that the uh, theme is going strong after all these years. <laughs> the worst. I've got memories of Jeff Sparrow <laughs> just sort of sitting, grinning and bearing it while that theme played. It's horrific. <laughs> it's so nice to have you in the studio. I know, it's so nice to be in the studio. It's been a long time, mm. um, but I'm very happy to be here. I'm a little bit nervous, actually. I haven't done Friday funny bugger for ages. When was your last time in studio? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was pre-COVID. 1993. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I did um, 
some Because of ones. my official role as the Triple R Royal Correspondent, mm, as all listeners will know, I covered the coronation earlier in the year, but I was unable to come into the studio because I live across town. Yeah. And so I said, I can cover the coronation, but can I call in? And a special um, exception was made mm. for me to be able Buckingham to. Buckingham Palace is a long way away. Exactly. Well, it wasn't just that's true, Dylan. It wasn't that I was across town, that I was calling You're in from in London. London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, surprise, surprise. I'm here to talk about Halloween today. And I know that you've already spoken about it earlier this week. <laughs> we have. So hopefully, I'm not going to double up. I'm just going to mine my own personal life for material and talk about my experience with Halloween this year because it's kind of fraught for Australians. Yeah. I think mm. we don't know how we feel as a collective group about Halloween, I think. I think there's a lot of polarising opinions about whether Time. to celebrate Halloween or not. And I've always been uh, pro oh, – sorry, I've been always been against Halloween. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. I don't like the consumerism. I don't like the packaging. Yes. You're in a safe space here, You're Laura. Okay, my but it all changes when you have a toddler. <laughs> and you go, Actually, that sounds like something to do. Yeah. <laughs> goes out the window. Yeah, and I kind of use the justification of, you know, when he goes to school, there's going to be so much peer pressure for him to participate in Halloween, so we better start doing it now. But really it's just that... It seems like something fun to do (laughs) and there might be leftover chocolate. So So I got into it. I decided to be sustainable with my decorations and unsustainable with my treats. Sounds fair enough. Mm -hmm. For germ reasons. You know, you need things. You do need things packaged. Mm -hmm. Oh, you can't just have all the different neighbourhood kids dipping their hands in. Dipping their dirty, grotty hands in. Anyway, it turned out there weren't actually that many kids, but I'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we decided to sort of dip our toes in. I tried to explain Halloween. My son is three and a half years old. Halloween is a tricky concept Mm. to explain. How did you do it? I just, I said, Halloween, we go out and you can either choose, we decorate the house. You can either choose to stay at home and answer the door, or we can go around to other people's houses and ring their doorbell (laughs) and they might give you a treat. It just... I didn't explain it well. (laughs) Anyway, he said he'd like to stay at home and we decided what we would do is set up a table at the front, like in the driveway, and that way people wouldn't come in up to our door Mm -hmm. because we don't like people coming up to our door. Everyone panics when they hear a knock at the door. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone expects a text before. Exactly, exactly. And um, so we decided we'll set up a little stand and it'll be the cutest thing in the world. He has a little Triceratops outfit. Mm. So we'll just charm the pants off everybody in the area. Um, But as Halloween approached, I realised that there were no houses, other houses in our street doing Halloween. (gasps) And so I got a little bit concerned about, you know, uh, what kind of business he was going to have. And so... Had you set him up for disappointment? Yeah, I was really worried I had um, because we were building it up. The more nervous you get about an event, the more you talk about it and the more it becomes a big (laughs) deal, I've discovered. So what I decided to do, I think it was a genius idea, um, his daycare that he goes to is about four doors down. So I decided to write an email to be circulated to teachers and parents saying, Daniel will be out the front of the house at this address from 4 till 5.30 on Tuesday afternoon if anyone would like to stop by 
and grab a treat, you're more than welcome. Mm. And rent a I, crowd, that's great. Pardon? Rent, rent a, a crowd, crowd. Yeah. exactly. I thought I won't tell him and then he'll think that they actually came to see him. Um, but I felt like... I was asking someone out. Oh. I felt like I, but I, but it was, I felt like I was asking sixty families out on a date. It, I really felt like I was putting myself on the line. I said to my husband, "Is this a really weird thing to do?" He said, "Yes." And so I said, <laughs> "It's got real like publicist vibes as it well. Does. Like you're working for Daniel. Daniel exactly. will be available <laughs> in this like specific window." Well, and then the problem was that on the actual day we had to stay out there from four till five. Because we had a customer come at like 5.29 and he was so ready to go oh, inside yeah. but was like, no, we are staying out here. We told them we're staying for 4 <laughs> I sent an email. I mean, never mind. <laughs> but because it's, uh, I would guess, maybe about 60 families plus teachers and then any other trick-or-treaters, I thought, I'm going to have to get a mountain load of sweets. Yeah. Individually wrapped. Individually mm. wrapped sweets. Luckily... By that point, there were specials on at the supermarket. So if anyone does Halloween, wait till the last minute. They have everything on special. Fantastic. These are the treats I got. Mm-hmm. I want you to rank them. Okay. Because there was a clear pecking order with the treats in the end <gasps> that surprised me. I love this. Okay, okay great. So we had twirls. <laughs> yep. I went for quality. I love twirls. And quantity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> twirls, caramellos, all fun-sized these are caramel koalas. Caramel koalas. Yeah. Smarties. Ah. Chuppa Chups and Skittles. That's a great selection, well done. Excellent. Yeah. And I also had stickers to give out for the parents that didn't want. Oh, sugar. Yeah. Okay. I felt so under pressure to get this right. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I was on display for the entire daycare to see. So what do you think was the most popular so, treat? Well, yeah, I have to... Pretend I'm not a woman in my 30s. Like, what would a kid want? Because I would want a twirl. I love a twirl. Same. I'm going caramellos as top. Me too. No, I think kids would have gone for Smarties because they're in a little box, aren't they? Yeah. And it's like the only difference. Do you know what went first? What? Out of – this is – we had dog walkers come past too. So we had a few adults – Schmackos is not on the list. Skittles. Said, Did I miss Schmack- that? <laughs> Skittles. Skittles. Yeah, right. grown adults. <laughs> That's like getting excited and pointing a finger. No, sorry, continue. Grown adults desperate for Skittles. <laughs> they just, I think they just want an ex- like an excuse to to eat. I mean, Skittles are great. Mm. It's Even the red packaging door, maybe. Our next door neighbour came around, took a bag of Skittles and said, I'll have that with my beer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Just Skittles. so you know, I'm do you know what was? Beer. Do you know what was left behind? The twirls and the chuppa chups. Uh, fools, absolute fools. Twirls are so underrated. Yes, oh, they yeah. are terrific. Love twirls. Because it's just... It's a flake, it's but a safe, tidier. It's a safe flake. It's a safe flake. Yeah. yeah. You don't exactly. have to worry about all the crumbs. Exactly. So chop a chop. You can sit on that for a while as well. So we have so it, many chop chops left over. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so what do you do with them? The well, leftover whole. So what happened was, out of all of the people that we sent the email to, we got about ten kids. That's heaps. I reckon, oh no, I reckon that's a hard reject. Out of how many? Probably about sixty. Mm. I think that's a good uptake. I think that's you should be very happy positive, Matt. Do you think? 10 out of 60. I mean, I thought so. It was mainly dog walkers. And then so because we came inside at 5.30, what I learnt was the true trick-or-treaters, they come out at like 6.30 to 7.30. The streets were crazy. So we oh, had really? most of our treats left over by that point because we weren't that busy. Mm. And so we put the bowl out the front 
on a seat because, again, we do not want people ringing our doorbell. No. <laughs> we put the bullet and we watched from the window and there were just hordes of children. It went in about 20 minutes. Wow. Really? They didn't yeah. like the face-to-face interaction, so once you went inside. Well, I think without the face-to-face interaction, they can just grab handfuls. Yeah. yeah no so we were quite happy that it went. Um, I just want to quickly talk about, you know, Halloween wouldn't be Halloween without something terrifying happening. Mm. So we had a very special guest come to our Halloween. When we were organising it, my son said, I really want to invite Granddaddy, who's my dad. So I said, of course, no problem. We love him and we're so lucky to have him. So we invited Granddaddy along. I told Dad, come for Halloween. I said, you might want to have a costume. And <laughs> panic like, sort of went across his face. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, I think I've got, oh, I think I've got a few things. <laughs> and I said, why don't you just wear like your Collingwood jersey because he loves Collingwood yeah. and come as like an ex-football player. He goes, no, 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 I reckon I can do better than that. It's oh. like you've got bunny ears. You could just put on bunny ears. Like you don't have to do anything that complicated. He went to the cupboard and he brought out <laughs> what could maybe be described as a sombrero, a Mexican hat. And Ooh. I said, Ooh, Ooh. careful, Dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> careful, Dad. Yeah. Did that one. Maybe not. Maybe not. And um, and so he goes, all right, leave it with me. Anyway, he turns up 15 minutes before we're due to ask for our scheduled yeah. shift. Your outside public the appearance. House, our public appearance. <laughs> Your meet and greet. We answer the door. He has fashioned the most terrifying Halloween costume out of nowhere. And I have no idea how mum left let him leave the house because she, like, vets every outfit that he leaves the house in. He's a gas man. And, <laughs> and I don't know how he got it past her, but we answered the door and he had a calico sack over his head <laughs> with eyes cut out that were missing his actual eyes. And oh, then, just his forehead. yeah, just his forehead, sort of, sort of half over his eyes, and then a piece of string tied to, to tighten the sack over his head, oh, and then the bloody sombrero on his head anyway. Oh, no! And we opened the door, and Daniel fell to his knees. <laughs> And, and that's why you don't tears. answer the door anymore. And then he, yeah, that's why you don't answer the door to strangers. He bent down, he goes, ah. <laughs> anyway, takes off, he takes it off. He goes, Daniel's like crying. He says, oh, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> anyway, he ended up putting it, he took it off and then he put it on for each individual child that came past. Wow. Oh, I didn't learn his lesson or he did. That's, that's exactly what he wanted. Maybe it, maybe it was. I think he misunderstood. I think he actually thinks that you are supposed to be scary. very scary. Did other Halloween. kids have the same reaction? Yeah, they were petrified of him. <laughs> he, was so, he, he looked like a Batman villain. Like, you know, yeah. like yeah, one of those really imagine. scary Marvel villains or <laughs> something like that. Just But then with like Gazman underneath. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my attitude towards Halloween. You win some, you lose some. Love it. Uh, well, Lord Adam, nice to have you back in studio. Thank you. See you next Halloween. Me. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be the Halloween official correspondent. <laughs> Triple R.
Yes, that's right. It is now time for Tech Talk. We're joined this morning by Bite Intuit's Dan Salmon. Hello. Good morning, Breakfasters. How are we? Good, thank you. Good. Going very well. Excellent. We're talking about something called effective accelerationism. We are. I thought, you know, seeing as it's Halloween, I should bring in a horror story for you. <laughs> um, and look, it's 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 something I've, I've got to give a shout out uh, first and foremost to um, the, the uh, editor, David Swan, of the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, who put an, uh, an opinion piece up yesterday about this. And, and I'd heard about it but hadn't really delved into it and like it's 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 a interesting cesspit of ideas mm-hmm. now um put simply effective accelerationism is the belief that the answer to all of the problems in the world and is technology and okay. so we should just let technology rip and there won't be any negative consequences and everything will be fine and everyone will be out of poverty and we'll all have money and we'll all have electricity and it'll just be great how are we just hearing this now? I know, yeah. right? Who knew? Um, I, can't, I can't work out whether it's like truly naive or actually a little bit sociopathic as an idea. But mm-hmm. the, so the idea of accelerationism um, go, goes back to a book from the 1970s called um, Lord of uh, Light by Roger Zelazny. And it's, it's, it, it, come, it describes accelerationists as a – it's kind of – it's a science fiction kind of book about people who believe just that, that technology will – should be just pushed to the point of like infinite infinity that's not a word but anyway um so and and it 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 had it's gotten a bit of uh i suppose traction in the last few years by people who are i suppose um proponents of technology so people like um the uh, Venture capitalists and uh, Silicon Valley people like uh, Gary Tan, the CEO of Y Combinator, which is a startup accelerator. Um, but the most recent kind of big wig to subscribe to it is a guy named Mark Andreessen. Now, he is um, a venture capitalist based in Silicon Valley. He started a company called Andreessen Horowitz. And he has posted a 5,000-word techno-optimist <laughs> manifesto. And it, it sounds it, like a cool guy. It does yeah. sound like a really cool guy, doesn't it? It sounds like a blog post. Yeah, and it, it essentially is. If the blog post if every sentence of the blog post started with we believe (laughs) (laughs) and it is it's wild it is absolutely wild it reads like a tech bros version of the bible um and it's it's one of those documents that like it if you know when you hear people talking about a cult and like they they touch on things that sound like they make sense and then you be like oh maybe this person isn't off the off the rails, and yeah. then they'll just throw in some Nazi stuff or something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah. The, he's not throwing Nazi stuff in, but he's certainly throwing in um, some interesting kind of tidbits. Um, one of my favourites is uh, we believe that any deceleration of AI will cost lives, and that's probably one thing that we should note is that it's very much this effective accelerationism movement is very much geared towards artificial intelligence and letting AI rip. Um, so we we believe that deceleration of AI will cost lives. Deaths that were preventable only by by the AI that were prevented from existing is a form of murder. Wow. That's a leap of logic, isn't it? That's a huge leap of logic. And then, um, you know, we believe that the global population can quite easily expand to 50 billion people or more and then far beyond that as we ultimately settle other planets because settling other planets is definitely something we should do because we've done so well with this one. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And so you're hearing those kind of... um, I suppose uh, themes that you hear from people, and I don't want to mention him, but Elon, um, <laughs> where you know it, we've got the money to do things, and therefore we should do them. And it's 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 kind of a chicken and egg scenario where you you can't work out whether the billions of dollars came before the messianic complex or if it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like because you know we've got all this money, we should we will be able to save the world, and and but their idea of saving the world is kind of vague, other than them making more money. 
And is he like citing specific examples, like historical or contemporary ones, well, to he, back up his? He, he kind of talks about like hist- you know technology has been great. You know, look at where we are now. People have been lifted out of poverty. Kind of ignoring the fact that there are still millions of people in poverty that you know a faster, l- large language model hasn't really done much for. Um, the, he he also goes into things like that are risks to their movement and like he uses terms like existential risk sustainability is an enemy of ex- effective accelerationism ESG environmental social and governance principles when being business also an enemy um, and then kind of not ironically says this our enemy is the ivory tower, the know-it-all credentialed expert worldview, indulging in abstract theories, luxury beliefs, social engineering, disconnected from the real world, delusional, unelected and unaccountable, playing God with everyone else's lives with total insulation from the consequences. How ironic is that coming from a billionaire it's who brilliant. is just dictating the exact things that he's talking this about? This is what I... I mean, it's the most elite kind of ideology. Yeah. Let these tech bros kind of rule the planet and take up all these technologies and everything will be fine. But I'm I mean, does it have any, you know, possibility of, of gaining traction among people who don't have squillions of dollars? I, I, I don't necessarily think so. But at the same time, you know, cults start small. Mm. And, you know, all, all you need is one person to be to be persuasive with an idea. And then you end up... And, like, we, we look, there are certain... There are definitely quote-unquote regular people who subscribe to these kinds of ideas. And these are the kinds of people who, you know, will put their newborn baby in front of a self-driving Tesla because Elon said that it's safe. <laughs> and and it's just... It, it, it's worrying because if, if, if it ends up with a critical mass, then we might have to have something to deal with. But, you know, it also has a risk of just fizzling out because, I mean, looking at it, if you've got a, any ounce of critical thought in your brain, and look, engage with it critically. Don't go too far down the rabbit hole because that's when you're going you're gonna to sort of start worrying about yourself but like because i certainly did uh worry about myself when i was starting to go down the rabbit hole but it, it it's it it just i think what we need to remember is that there is little evidence thus far of the benefits of these kind of things allowing tech to do whatever want, but we've already got evidence of things going wrong so like uh if you remember theranos the the blood testing company uh that it turned out you know it was going to be it was going to revolutionize diagnostic testing and all it did was revolutionize fake diagnoses mm-hmm. and then um ftx sam bankman fried and he he's he the guy who started ftx which was a crypto exchange company um did it with an idea and and it's it's a similar it's it's in the similar vein of effective accelerationism called effective altruism. You might have heard the idea of make lots of money and then do good with that mm. money. But all he did was defraud people. Mm. So so uh, when you have the fallibility of human nature involved in the technology process, you're going to have greedy people trying to trying to um, you know benefit from it. And that's just something that unless every not not everyone is but perhaps these guys are coming at it from the right from the right place, but not everyone would be. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these these people are in fierce competition with each other as well. And, you know, they're, they're all trying to invent the next best thing that will, you know, take over the world and, and earn them even more money. Mm. But there seems to be little space for acknowledging some of the drawbacks of going down this path without any reflection about what it could do. So, ha- I mean, how might that kind of play into this as they have to talk against some of their competitors' products or, or whatever? I think it kind of, like it, it's we're, in the, we're already in an echo chamber of people shouting down each other just 
just because you don't agree with them. And mm. these guys have a platform and billions of dollars, so they're they're much louder in their shouting down of people. You know, you can, you're a luddite. Luddite could end up being the new kind of you know. Uh, slur. slur exactly <laughs> that exactly you know pejorative term for someone and and we just need to be mindful that there are differing points of view and going so absolutist with something like this is is we should always think about why we sh- why we should do something and not just do something because we can mm-hmm. that that's always been and you know go go back to Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park you know you thought you did this because uh you could you never thought about whether you should mm. yeah yeah what is the incentive behind putting out this manifesto do you think for underseen horowitz oh look up uh, infamy i guess um you know i i i i think they too genuinely believe it to an extent but you know you say something outlandish you're going to get uh you know you're going to get attention yeah. and you're going to get more money people know who you are and people will possibly you know invest in you a little bit more and and it, it might bring people on side there will be people out there who do agree with it and you know good luck to them but you've just got to think about the consequences of things i'm not against technological advancement i think technology has done amazing things for us but we always need to be optimistic but cautiously, cautious optimism is where you need to be, and 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 blind, being willfully blind to benefit to drawbacks of things is dangerous. Yeah, mm. there's, there's a list of patron saints of techno optimism at the end of the, <laughs> the manifesto <laughs> as well. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. Is, is Elon on the list by any chance? I haven't seen Elon. Yeah. Actually. Could be a lot of blokes. I've got to say. Well, but... this is actually this is a really nice. interesting thing. I've, I've in in my rabbit hole, um, I went to a, a particular website that had so you know a similar manifesto to this, and it was talking about and and I'm, I, I keep quoting, but it's just so good. Um, where are we here? This one is uh, effective. Uh, accelerationism uh if you're building your special to e slash a double c so e slash a double c is what people put on their twitter handles for those who are still using twitter and i still refuse to call it x um if if you subscribe to the idea so if you're on twitter and you see someone in their handle say have e slash a double c that means that they're subscribing to the effective accelerationism uh as opposed philosophy but Mm -hmm. so if you're you're building your special to e slash ack you are making the future happen you are better than those who are trying to hold us back we honor you king (gasps) king like, the, like they're just assuming that anyone who does this is going to be wow. male. But it seems like such an um, open and welcoming environment. I know, right? <laughs> why, why would you want to be involved with this? Uh, look, have a drink on us. Have, a, have a drink on us. Have gross. a drink on us. It's so gross. Um, but, look, it's, it, it is something that we just need to be mindful it exists uh, and, you know, come at it with a dose of healthy scepticism. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Dan Salmon, been talking about effective accelerationism. Thanks so much. We can catch you on Bite Into It uh, this week. Or... Yeah, tomorrow night we'll be there. Excellent. Fantastic. Catch- Thanks so much. Thanks. Yeah, see you, King. Triple R on FM, digital, online and via the app. Thanks so much for being here. It means a lot. Damien Power is a multi-award-winning comedian who's toured his shows locally and internationally for over a decade. He also dabbles in screen and has just released a brand new web series, Expanded Minds Only, a parody exploring the world of self-help gurus. Uh, to tell us more, the guru of comedy himself joins us in studio. Damien, hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Are you a sucker for self-help? <laughs> I'm not a sucker for self-help, but definitely like wellness. Like I'm in the organic shop. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yes. I am getting the antioxidants. So it's sort of, yeah, 
I think you should parody stuff, you know, for sure. That was the yeah. first thing I thought of when I watched it, which is it's very funny, but I was like, he's definitely dipped his toes in. I bet he's had some ice baths for sure. <laughs> I have had ice baths. Yeah. I can huh? confirm. Yep, I've done with my <laughs> um, I've given it all a little bit of a go. I'm a bit of slack. Bit of a slacker with that stuff, but yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like I'm, I'm in that world a little bit, but I guess the series is is more that kind of. It's slightly different. It's sort of like that. It starts with the seed of that stuff that's very popular at the moment, which is the pseudo science conspiracy meets ancient pyramids, yoga, mm. meditation. Mm. Like it's a weird. It's just this fascinating <laughs> realm at the moment of. Yeah, like uh, I guess for lack of a better term, pseudoscience. Yeah. It's like it's crazy. And also your character is giving like a 90s motivational speaker energy as well, which I quite enjoy. Yeah, and that's sort of part of it as well. It's mm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, don't, I can't say I've put a lot of thought into the, <laughs> <laughs> into the character, but uh, it's just like that's what – because really like – yeah, it's not – it is – you're right. It is a parody, but it's it's so not about that at all. It's mm. like just we start in that realm and then it's really about the characters going, you know, and their lives chaotically spiralling out of control and having deep-seated <laughs> emotional issues and, and personal grievances and um, <laughs> revenge fantasies and, and just, yeah, to, total emotional breakdowns and, and a murder. As well, yeah, so, no, um, yeah, yeah. Like he literally throws his best friend off a bridge Spoiler at one point. Alert. So, but we won't do what happens after that because yeah. it is. I would gonna say, be so bold as to say surprising. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderfully bizarre. I mean, how did you come up with the storylines for each of the, the episodes? That's a great question. I I don't know. I um. He was making it up as he went uh, along. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Look. Every episode is like a little pilot or a film and so they sort of sit independently but in the same universe, mm. I guess you'd say. So, yeah, I didn't well, – because I self-funded it and uh, with my friend Brody Rocker, who's a filmmaker, um, we did it ourselves and funded it ourselves and produced it ourselves. I wanted to do something that, that, that no – there was no – no one told me what to do at all, mm. um, which whatever people are doing in their lives uh, artistically or in their profession, <laughs> we all know is quite a freeing uh, feeling. So the result is this series and you can tell yeah. that someone should have uh, stepped in at some point and gone, hey, no, I don't think you should cover yourself in milk and have Aaron Gox rub it all over you or whatever, you know. Happens in the series for so. continuity and character yeah. progression. Where yeah. is this going? And who cares? I love it. It's it's in, yeah. It's 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 a mistake, yeah. but it's it's um, it's an enjoyable one. Hopefully, hundred yeah. percent. What what was the thinking behind uh, making your character American? Again, a great question. <laughs> Just, um, I mean, I think it's fitting, but I want to know yeah. the process. Uh, the process is is definitely not an in depth one. Um, <laughs> I think I, think, um, I just think it's a funny voice. Yeah. Just immediately, yeah. you're you're just like yeah. Just the American accent is incredibly strange, and it just sounds ridiculous. You're like wow, it's so great. I'm, just, I'm glad I'm here. This is unbelievable. We're here, and there's uh, microphones, and Very there's earnest. a TV, and yeah. we're just like this is unbelievable, and I feel great. <laughs> And you're here and we're having this great conversation about the, 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 the sort of wellness world and it just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
It just made it just it made the character just it just wouldn't have worked. I don't know. It just yeah. is funnier. I don't know. I love the idea of this like sort of super earnest, serious American self help guru who then's not sort of keeping up his end of the bargain with house chores, which happens in one episode yeah. as well. So. Yeah, I guess that's a great example of how the series kind of, kind of works. It starts as a motivational thing about life, and then in the middle of it, uh, the other guy, Aaron Gox, goes. Um, yeah, but you haven't done your chores. <laughs> I think the line is, um, "We're we're like a f- we're like a fish in in, in, a, in a tank. We don't realize we're trapped. We could be in the ocean, uh, but we th- we're in a tank, and that's how our, our lives habitually we're, we're putting this tank around us." And he goes, "Yeah, but have you fed the fish?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you mean? Like now? Like?" And then he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you need to feed the fish every day, man. Like you're talking about being in a fish tank or whatever, but." Like, you haven't fed the fish, and then we get in a big oven, and then it goes for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I shouldn't spoil it. it but, yeah. Let's well, just you, say it spirals out of control. It does. I love it, and it kind of speaks to that point of how frustrating it can be if you do have someone in your life who's maybe into that, I don't know, different thoughts or new age spirituality, like to have just like a basic argument. Like, they could sometimes just produce an answer for everything. I'm like, well, that's your truth. And my experience was yes. really different. Of that. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's a funny time in that respect. I feel like um, uh, something I talk about a bit in my stand-up, which is this kind of idea that we are now creating our own customised belief systems. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in the 90s or whatever, it was just like you're this one thing, like atheism was a big thing, you know, like Christian or whatever. And now it's just like I'm a Buddhist, but I'm not really technically practicing. I'm into meditation. But, you know, I also obviously believe in Christianity, but I'm not a Christian. I'm a scientist. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but obviously Bill Gates is poisoning the (laughs) water and I run a drum circle on Sunday. And you're just like, how long is this haircut going to take? You know what I mean? <laughs> it kind of felt like, for a, for a bit there at least, COVID sort of ruined our capacity to laugh at conspiracy theorists because you were seeing the damage caused by this sort of thing. Where previously it was like, oh, that's kind of quirky and that's weird. That's you know funny to dip into that. But I mean, do you think this you know this is made for now that we've kind of there's a bit of space between COVID and we kind of laugh at this sort of thing better? Or hmm, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like the world is perpetually reeling from from pseudo. Belief, weird, yeah. Like it, 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 it just seems like there's. I mean, not to get too deep, but <laughs> I on. feel like um, I feel like there's so little faith in all Westernized, well, all Western institutions inside our society, like the government and the media, for example, and democracy, and uh, and so everything anyone believes is almost like, uh, like well, that's not real. Mm-hmm. Those things aren't happening. The, the, these these people are lying to us, and so everybody's sort of, did, yeah. There's just no faith in anything. <laughs> so people start with that, and then they go because you know, secretly pharmaceuticals are funding blah 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 or yeah, whatever. Yeah, so yeah. people are sort of putting together these things, and I feel like COVID maybe, I mean, without a doubt, exacerbated that. Mm. I think, but it's still like crazy, like people's. You know, get into a deep conversation politically or socially with someone. It doesn't take long before that. You know, you, you discover a, a, another unique belief system. Yeah. Do you reckon that's fair? Yeah, I think yeah. it's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And always lurking under the surface for a lot of people. 
and you don't realise. Yeah, it's it, and it's it's crazily popular, and it's hoping I, I'd like to keep exploring it with the, the series. You know, hopefully doing more of it, mm. of uh, getting more deep into it. Like I was on a plane back from America. Um, I forget this when I was visiting my brother or something, and. Uh, a woman said to me a lot of things. Um, you know, it's a long like, yeah, man. This is the uh, the air hostess, is oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, so many things I can't even. But one of them was um, the was it the fires? No, it was the floods at the time. Um, said that that was done intentionally by the government creating clouds. Oh. And they're flooding for infrastructure or something, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 cool. Yeah. I'll just the orange juice is sweet. <laughs> it's fine, by the way." And um, but there was a lot of things she told me, by the way. And uh, and she's like, angry about it. So I'm sick of the government, you know, creating clouds and stuff. I'm like, "Yeah, totally, man." And then there's the tax as well, which is too much. Oh. Um, so there's all these, you know, <laughs> the leaps of logic where it's like, well, yeah. climate change, you know, that's. That's, yeah. that's a thing. She works right. in the well, air, Well, climate though. change then isn't real because it's the, the media goes, government. climate change, and then they're like, well, that can't be real because yeah, the media yeah. said it. So oh, then yeah. it must be the government creating clouds. So, yeah. yeah. So it's about losing credibility on one thing and tarnishing your your reputation for everything else. Right, exactly. And and then I got I got in the Uber on <laughs> out of the airport and I was like, man, this woman on the plane reckons that you know blah 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 it's crazy people you know say things like oh she said the government's creating clouds he goes yeah yeah i heard about that (laughs) like he was straight again like yeah the government's creating clouds so they can build a railway line that they need to get through so they're just flooding and i was like yeah yeah cool man yeah it's like tell me something i don't know yeah yeah Yeah, so he was immediately on board yeah (laughs) i think you like you do that well as in the you do that well in the web series as well, just like little asides, chit chats of like, yeah. Anyway, this is all a simulation, and just mm. like, like just the chats between the casual drop in. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's done very well. It feels like this character Richard Baylor has legs. I mean, what's next for him? It's a great question. Well, I'd like to do another uh, series um, of, of the show and and uh, do a, like a narrative, like actual full arc series. Um, so yeah, I have a live show version. Uh, of that character that I'd like to do, um, I just I'm doing stand up uh, next year at the the festival. I, I kind of want to do both, but it can lead to um, insanity. Yeah, burn um, out. doing You'll two be. shows, um, but it is the live version is yeah, I, I, just such nonsense. It's um, yeah, unbelievable. To do like a full stupid. hour as him. Yeah, yeah, and guests and stuff and. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. There's a segment on whether farts are funny or not, and <laughs> how I'm adamantly like they're not. They're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I have guests on to reaffirm that. And, <laughs> on, yeah. <laughs> so, how can people watch Expanded Minds Only? Expanded Minds Only is totally free That's on cool. YouTube. And it's uh, done with the wonderful people whom I love at Grouse House, which is Auntie Donna's production company. And uh, they they put up a lot of really cool content that yeah. is a real, like, uh, really great thing for Australian comedy because we don't have these channels for artists to do, like, just the sort of stuff that other countries get to do where they just do whatever um, they really creatively want without any interference. So Grouse House is awesome. Yeah, and like you said, it is completely self-funded. Do you, and you also have a, a, a podcast, The Neurotic News, with Dan Rath. Do you have a Patreon or anything like that we can direct people? No, no, no? I'm just okay. in debt. Okay, um, well. <laughs> just, I have a special out as well and um, that's that's also freely available on YouTube and it's, uh, it's again, like self-funded. And it, But the thing is, 
all this stuff looks incredible. Mm. Like oh, it's like amazing. shot TV, cinematic. The special looks was literally done by the DOP who does the Netflix ones and they all look great and, you know, get behind this stuff because artists are, are now at a place where they can do this because the technology is available to us. Yeah. So this is this is what's going to be happening is, is people are putting out um, stuff like this uh, for free off their own bat. Yeah. Amazing. So. Well, um, congrats on the series. It's um, yeah, I had a great time watching all the episodes yesterday. So, uh, if you want to catch Expanded Minds Only, probably the best place to go is to Damien Power's website. You can find that and a link to your comedy special Alone in a Crowd is there too. I think. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Damien Power, thanks so much. Thanks so Thank much you. for having me, guys. Triple R. Thanks for listening to a podcast of the best bits of Breakfasters, the Monday to Friday breakfast show broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia. Feel free to get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or via the Triple R website.